I'm not I'm not sure if that was like meant to be there or if that was a Jim Carrey moment of being like, hey, extra, can I run over you? Are you cool with this? Like, can we try this? And then that just I really hope that that's what it was of like Jim Carrey just going up to one of them being like, hey, is it OK if I run over you? Can we try that? <laughs> yeah, you'd hope he'd ask, but maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I wouldn't be bothered if, if Jim Carrey spear tackled me. I'd be fine with it. Yeah. Um. Hey, Jim Carrey. Uh. You know what? Let's go to Australia. Let's spear tackle it. <laughs> Let's spear tackle Adam. We yeah, won't I'll... even tell him that we're coming. We'll just find him. What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I'm your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to make my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I'm on a quest to change that. I'm never on this quest alone. However, this week I am joined by writer and director and my friend, Adam Deer. Adam, how you doing? How's it going? Hey, mate. Hey, Ankit. Yeah, great, man. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Should be fun. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, We met when you were doing your master's up at East and I was still up there as well. So, but it's been almost a year since I've seen you. Yeah, it was probably, I, well, I left uh, England in uh, uh, March, 2023. So not even that long, but it just feels. So not even that long. It's been less than a year, but it feels like it's been a long time since I've seen you. I mean, we've texted back and forth and stuff, but no, I'm really excited that you're here, that you're on. Uh, when I was starting this project back in like April, um, you were like, oh, this sounds like a really cool idea. So I was like, hold on. Like, yeah. I know I love having conversations with you. And you said that The Truman Show is one of your favorite films. Do you remember when you first saw it? Like, what were your first thoughts? What drew you to this film originally? Uh, it's funny because the, the main thing I can remember is seeing them it being talked about on Oprah, uh, which is not a show that I usually watch, but I was, I do remember that they were talking about, and I've been a big Jim Carrey fan, you know, forever. I, I, I watched, I remember watching Ace Ventura Pet Detective on TV at my friend's house and just rolling on the ground, losing it. So I was always into him and following his career. And so when I heard this was coming out and it wasn't a, out and out crazy comedy it was more of a drama there was quite a lot of uh, talk about it in the media in terms of you know could he do it could you know is he the right cast blah 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 and so I was interested in it already leading up to it uh but yeah I can't remember I goodness first seeing it given it is one of my favorites I I mean I basically just when it came out I'd, I'd seen it and I've watched it you know I don't know dozens of times uh fair so fair. yeah and I, it was just uh, a big jim carrey fan and i was like i gotta check this movie out so i did nice yeah i mean i've anything i've ever seen jim carrey in i've enjoyed granted it's not a lot but it's just because i don't watch a lot of films but i yeah, have yeah. i think i've seen bits of ace ventura pet detective like i know that's like one of his big breakout films so I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it like all in one sitting or even the way that I watch it for this show where, you know, it's not necessarily in one sitting, but it's dissected and, you know, in depth because I can't tell you fully what happens, but I know a little bit of what happens in that one. But yeah, I absolutely love Jim Carrey. I think he's a fantastic actor and, you know, 
I know that he just retired earlier this year as well. Uh, for context to the listeners, we're recording this in the last week of 2023. So technically when this comes out, it's no longer this year, but it's this year. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, I definitely am really excited to continue talking about this film. I was really enjoying it going through just for context in case people have forgotten and for you, Adam, on what my prediction is on what I think is happening in the film. Pretty much, I got it right that he realizes that something's wrong after he saw his dad get ushered away and everything. And he's kind of put together that something's up. So I still think that what's happening is that he's going to come up with a clever way to break out of New Haven and not New Haven, Sea Haven. He's in Sea Haven. Haven. Sea, Haven. <laughs> sea Haven. So he's going to come up with some clever way to break out of there. And I think that like he's going to try a few different things, but it's going to fail. And then the people on the outside, so in the real world, not Sea Haven, but in the real world, are going to sympathize with him and try to sneak him clues on how to he how to like potentially break out of sea haven and i think eventually he's going to break out he's gonna go meet up with sylvia and he's gonna be able to start this new life in peace and i think that the day that he's gonna break out is like technically his birthday so i did the math in a previous episode and realized he's very close to his 30th birthday. It's like 29.8283 days or something like that. So we're very, very close <laughs> very to his 30th yeah. birthday. Well, I got curious because they started like listing the dates and I was like, okay, like how, how long is this actually? Cause like you've listed it's running for day 10,800 or whatever it was. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's like they've listed that, so it's just like, okay, what what is that in terms of a human life? So I just got curious. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's leading up to the thirtieth anniversary of the show. Of so, the yeah, show, assuming it. So it makes sense. Yeah, it started at his birth, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so we definitely learn a lot more, and where we left off last week was that he has to have it out with Meryl. And that's where we're going to pick up. So we're back with the neighbor and his Dalmatian and Meryl's coming back home. And they're all very tentatively looking into the car where Truman is just sitting there. And Meryl asks if he's okay. And Truman gestures for her to get into the car. And I love how the neighbor like very rarely speaks. And his job is to just always take out the trash. Like He's always taking out the bins. That's it. That's all he does. I don't think I've ever seen him do anything other than take out the bins. And I'm just like, how much trash do you have? <laughs> <laughs> and his bin is always empty. Like there's nothing in the bin ever. <laughs> well, it's and just, that's, but it's all, yeah. It's just because that's the whole life they've known, you know, what's, what's normal. I mean, Oh yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. So but it, for us as a viewer, it's like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> Um, but that's yeah, just, yeah, I mean, normal to him. I do think this film leads itself a bit more into my ridiculousness as well in watching it because I notice silly things sometimes. And it's just like, you know, this film, because you're watching a TV show, technically, 
I think like it fits that where like you understand that sometimes like things don't necessarily always make sense, but they need like a camera angle or they need the extra to be doing something random so that they can get Truman to react a certain way, which is a whole thing yeah. and a whole problem um, in morals. But uh, we can get to that later. <laughs> so Truman tells her to look in the rear view and he predicts that in just a moment they're going to see a lady on a red bike followed by a man with some flowers and a Volkswagen Beetle with a dented fender. And Meryl tries to dismiss this and Truman's like, no, 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 you have to look. And we see the lady, we see the flower boy, and there's no car. So Meryl says that it's just silly and just as she says that it's silly, the car drives by and Truman is ecstatic and he is thrilled. And honestly, I feel the exact same way when I predict something right on this podcast because it happens very rarely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's such, it leads into such a fun scene. So yeah, it's a really nice moment. It's a really nice build up to then this scene that we're about to get into that just it is so encapsulating and like you just want to know and i don't know for me throughout this scene that we're about to talk about i was a hundred percent on truman's side i don't know about you if you like how did yeah you absolutely i mean we want yeah. yeah we start we enjoy the ride but we're we're because it's that unrestricted narrative where we know more than uh he does we're just sort of you know excited to see what he discovers and and how he uncovers the truth so uh no it was we're definitely i was on his side yeah so meryl's very uncomfortable and immediately my notes i mean I've, I've discussed this in the past but i'm just like i don't like her i don't like meryl i don't mind marlon I, yeah. I don't like meryl <laughs> and i think it's because it's not even as you go through the film it's not that her character is not a nice person but the actress isn't a very nice person uh and so that's sort of the sense you get i think that makes it worse or made it worse for me is that i just don't like the uh, not laura linney but i mean like the, the actress the, in the actress playing the, the actor the world. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i think the um, character's called hannah but she plays meryl uh yeah and i think so that yeah that sounds right so, but um, yeah yeah, Definitely. So I always like, found her a bit great thing, just the, the, the actor playing the actor. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, she's, she's a very interesting character, and we learn a lot about her in this scene. So Truman asks if she wants to know how he did that, and he reveals that they're on a loop. They just go around and around and around. Meryl's trying to change the conversation and says that, hey, I invited, invited, you know, words are hard, but I invited <laughs> Rita and Marlon over for a barbecue on Sunday. First of all, wow, words are really hard today. First of all, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing great. Language, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm creating a new language on this show. Here we go. Yeah. So first of all, we know Marlon. We love Marlon. Rita has never been mentioned. Who is Rita? Why do we care about Rita? Like, when did Marlon suddenly get a wife? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what's cool about it. They can just sort of invent and create things and add things in. And we just, yeah, you know, Truman just takes it as face value. And so we, we do as well. I mean, I'm assuming that Rita has been around for a bit in the world of Sea Haven, but 
you know, mm. she just hasn't shown up in what we have seen as viewers in the film. But yeah, yeah. Truman says that he won't be here on Sunday, and Meryl keeps going on, and Truman asks if she's even listening to a word that he is saying. And Meryl says that you're just upset because you want to go to Fiji. Isn't that it? And you know what? Go and save for a few months and go. And then she's like, I'm going to go take a shower. I hate her so much. And <laughs> Truman... Is this the same when they're in the kitchen? Is this the kitchen one? No, no, no. They're still in the car. They haven't left the oh, car yet. In the car still, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They're still in the car. They haven't, they haven't left the car. We have a whole sequence in the car. So Truman... Just as she's about to try to get out, he locks the doors and says, let's go now. And in my notes, I'm just like, yes, Truman, do it. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. I know that he's not going anywhere, but I want him to. Yeah. I want him to leave so bad. And he's like, let's go now. Why wait? You know, early bird gathers no moss. Rolling stone catches the worm, right? Am I mistaken? Or are those usually the other way around? Wait, what? What did you say? <laughs> so, so he says in the film, he says, early bird gathers no moss. Rolling stone catches the worm. Yeah, yeah. He's just uh, swapped those around. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I, that's what I thought. I was like, isn't the phrase usually early bird catches the worm and rolling stone gathers no moss? And I think it's in part he's starting to have play with reality in a sense it reflects you know what's happening it's starting a breakdown of the fabric of his whole life uh so you're just starting to yeah change yeah, change the language as well and i think it it ties back into what he said earlier to marlin where he says you know the only thing that can't be predicted is me and my unpredictability or something along those lines so you know, he's being so unpredictable where he knows what the real phrase is. Otherwise, he can't so consciously change them back and forth. Like, he knows what the phrase yeah. is, but he's able to change it. And it's just showing that unpredictability in a very subtle way. And I think Jim Carrey, I mean, he, he plays it beautifully. This entire scene, he plays it beautifully. And mm. does a very good job of going between kind of like the I'm going insane kind of my world is unraveling and falling apart, but I'm also kind of keeping it together deal where he's like, I'm in control now. Yeah, absolutely. He starts to get some agency, but yeah, you're completely right. He's plays that very well. It's incredibly difficult to walk that line of, mm -hmm kind of crazy but sane yeah, um, yeah i mean just as an actor it's incredibly difficult to walk that line and i think he does it very very well especially in this scene and the scenes to follow but like you really start seeing it pick up now because now is when like you know he's he starts being more eccentric more i guess what people think of as jim carrey where he's this character that's almost larger mm. than life kind of deal mm. so meryl looks very uncomfortable and i'm like it's because you don't actually love truman <laughs> and <laughs> truman I do drives feel for it in a way though because imagine if you're this person you're just kind of trapped in this marriage i of... do 
but I she's do also feel for her. a contract and yeah i do feel for her but then i also don't and i talk about it a little later but like we can talk about it now i had it in my notes later she literally says at the beginning of the film that it is a blessed life that she is so thankful for this life so i don't really yeah. feel that bad for her yeah well it's a lot of uh, to me it's a lot of virtue signaling you know she's yeah. just like oh i'm just that's just a wonderful person that i do this but i'm so blessed and um you know i'm just look how wonderful i am just married to this guy that i don't even love and but it's just all for the art that's the kind of yeah. sense that i get that she is really just shallow and um yeah just goes runs off virtue singly yeah like heather as a person is just a very shallow human being yeah yeah, yeah. definitely so yeah. no sorry not heather hannah her name is Hannah. Hannah, yeah. <laughs> Hannah playing Meryl. There are a lot of names yeah. to keep track of in this yeah. film. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Meryl looks very uncomfortable and Truman starts driving and he starts driving in a circle around a roundabout and Meryl's very nervous asking, where are you going? And Truman's like, I'm being spontaneous and he's yelling this out the window and I'm just like, I am here for off the rails Truman. Also, Jim Carrey's doing great. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm here for it. I don't know what's going to happen next. Let's find out. So Truman says, you know what? Forget Fiji. We can't drive to Fiji. And Meryl's like, you're right. And so he's like, all right, let's go to Atlantic City. And Meryl's like, but you hate gambling. Truman agrees. And then she's like, why do you want to go there? And Truman's response is fantastic. And he just goes, because I've never been there. That's why people go places, isn't it? He's got a very valid point. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, that's, it is great then because we're excited because we also know who Jim Carrey is as an actor. We're excited to see how he becomes more and more spontaneous and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So there is that element too. That's really fun. Once they're like, yeah, let's just do it. We're like, what's he going to do next? Cause he's can just be, so uh, we've seen almost the opposite of the Jim Carrey that we know up until this point. So we're really like, when's he going to kind of be released? Uh, yeah. So when speak. are we going to get kind of the Robin Williams, Jim Carrey effect a little bit where it's like, all right, like I'm sure that based on the script they've done, you know, four or five takes of whatever the script says, but then, mm. All right, like now it's time for the 20, 30 takes of just improv and seeing what's going to happen and, you yeah. know, figuring it out. And sometimes, like, that's better. Sometimes it's not. Like, it goes both ways. Yeah. But it's, we're starting to get into that realm. I know in his contract, he was allowed to do rewrites and stuff. So I oh, okay. think for yeah. this film? Yeah. So I don't know okay. how it went. It sounds like it might have been a bit tricky at first, but I, I think. The director Peter Weir and him worked it out uh, along the way and managed to have a bit of fun. So, yeah. yeah, and I think especially when you know, I think it's an effective thing if you have the time and you have the budget, right? And you know, someone wants to try some things, let them try because sometimes it doesn't necessarily always work, and you can always fall back on what has been written, what is on the script and great 
but sometimes when you're playing and like I find as an actor sometimes when you're playing and like you know you're in the rehearsal room and you're just kind of letting loose and you're just trying something and you don't necessarily always know if it's gonna work that's when the true beauty happens so I mean for example I was doing a pantomime earlier this month and we were doing a read-through and I had it old version of the script which I didn't realize was an old version of the script when we were doing the first read through so I showed up I had my script printed and everything and originally someone came in and was like I'm the little drummer boy and then there was a song that was written in and so I was waiting but in the new version of the script it was just like there's no song and I'm just supposed to say cool and I was just sitting there waiting and nobody was saying anything. So I just go, isn't there supposed to be a song? And everyone just started laughing and they're like, great, that's the new line in the show. <laughs> because it was just so sincere. I'm just like, I was so confused. I was like, what is what is going on? Like, why is everyone just paused? Like something's supposed to be happening. So like, you know, even silly things like that, where, you know, one person has the wrong script because they printed it out you know, a week earlier than the reading. Like that was all it was. Like I printed it out on Monday and we were having our first rehearsal on like Saturday. So like I just printed it out earlier in the week before the edits got made. So I just didn't have the fully updated version. But like, I do think like, you know, letting people play, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, if you have the time, let them play. So... I, yeah. I especially think in theatre, I like I do more theatre than film. Obviously, I love film. But yeah, definitely in theatre rehearsals, you need to... I mean, you're facilitating discovery, so you should be trying, letting actors make offers and try things. Uh, otherwise, it's kind of... To me, it's sort of what's the point in having the actor if you're just going to... If I'm just going to point and say what to do, you know, how exactly how I want every single thing. And that that's good for some areas. And of course knowing your directorial vision and where we're headed, but you're also having that confidence to let actors do their thing. Uh, and sometimes it can just be probably more in film. It's just a peace of mind thing for the actor that they've been allowed to just have one more take or try something. Uh, you might not ever use it, but it's just given the actor a bit of peace of mind knowing that they've uh, been able to try a different angle. Um, but yeah, I mean, film budgets and stuff, it's hard to time. It's so much time. Um, oh, yeah. Through. I mean, there's a very famous behind the scenes clip that I've seen a lot of Gary Oldman in the fifth Harry Potter film um, in Order of the Phoenix, where he goes to the director and he's like, please, please, if we just have a little bit of time, I want to try one take where I just sock him in the face, like just just punch him. And it's just like, you know, and then that's the clip that ends up getting used in the final cut of the mm. film. So it's just like, you know, sometimes there's not time for it. But if you're able to let them play. So, yeah, and yeah. some. Yeah. Anyway, back to what's happening in the film. So <laughs> Meryl says that she's going to throw up. And I was like, let me guess. You're going to try to claim that you're pregnant with his baby to try to get him to stick around he's not going to end up buying it. This is what I think is what she's going to try to do. Spoiler alert. She doesn't do this, but um, I, I thought she was going to try to play that card and try to say, mm. I'm pregnant or something. So they pull out of the roundabout, which is an odd little roundabout with just like a gazebo in the middle of it. I'm not completely sure if that's 
normal in small towns in America, where I'm assuming we are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it's sort of it, it's this weird echo of a 1950s. <laughs> As someone who lives in Australia, is that common in small towns in America? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're definitely going to be a better person ass than me, but I imagine not. I think it might have been like a common thing, like you said, back in, you know, the nine the eighties, the nineties when Well it's a very fifties throwback, the show. You know, it's quite a fifties suburbia. Fifties mm, okay. kind of vibe. Yeah. So I don't know if that's an accurate reflection. You know, it's kinda of when you watch um an Edward Scissorhands, that whole suburban which if you haven't seen that, you've got to see that too. But yeah, the suburbia is very weird, kind of, it's just a different era. It's just his own world. It reminds me of that a bit. Yeah. yeah, it's not what it is in modern 2023, I guess 2024 when this comes out, which is still weird to say, even though we're yeah. four or five days away from it. So, But if anyone has seen a gazebo in a roundabout, they need a comment. Let us know. Yeah. Um, Please, tell us your roundabout experience. Exactly. If you have a gazebo in a roundabout, we want to hear about it. If that's what's in your town, let us know. So, yeah, they pull out and they're blocked by other cars. And Truman points out that this is very odd. He's like, hey, this is beautifully synchronized. Don't you agree? Yeah. Where did they and all come from? Yeah. What, what? Where are they? Why are they here? Merrill asks if He's blaming her for the traffic, and Truman's like, I don't know. Should I? And <laughs> Meryl's just like, yeah, let's go home. <laughs> Truman agrees and says, you know what? It might be like this all the way to Atlantic City. Let's go back. Then he starts driving in reverse, and immediately I'm like, we're not going back home. <laughs> so they get back into the roundabout, and Truman misses the turnoff. And hey, look, they're not going home. He's changed his mind. What's New Orleans like this time of year? Mardi Gras. Woohoo! And I'm just like, yes, Truman, do it. <laughs> and they head down the exact same road that they were just on. No cars. Magic. And Meryl says, let me out. You're not right in the head. You want to destroy yourself. Do it on your own. Just saying, this doesn't sound like a very loving wife or a good nurse. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> like, toss the wife part out the window. She's not being a good nurse at this point. Yeah, and there is that. Uh, I'm a bit lost where it is in the film, but he does go to the hospital where she works. Yeah, it's right before this. It's right before this. Okay. And, you know. That scene um, is awesome as well. Like, yeah, oh, the, that just, seems just fantastic. Again that no one knows how to actually do their jobs, fair enough. Marlon is the only one that seems to know how to do his job of try to calm down Truman. Yeah, but I mean, he also, he just stocks um, vending machines, doesn't he? He stocks vending machines and drinks beer. That's Marlon. Yeah, but he, if he can't do that job properly, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if he can't keep Truman at bay a little bit, then uh, what's really the point of Marlon? Being a nurse or a <laughs> doctor or something, a bit trickier. Yeah. So Truman's like, no, I want some company. And then we're stuck at a bridge. And Merrill says that, you know what? I knew this would happen. You can't drive over water. 
Let's go home. You'll feel safe. And in my notes, in all caps, I'm like, drive over the water. Conquer your fear, Truman. Do it. (laughs) Go for it. Don't listen to it. (laughs) And Truman, to his credit, comes up with a very ingenious plan. And again, I think this is where you see that unpredictability just bursting out of Truman, right? And he asks for her hand. And like a trusting person, she gives it to him. And then Truman grabs her hand, puts it on the wheel, and says, drive, and hits the accelerator and closes his eyes. And I was like, yes. Yeah, because yeah, he agrees. He says, you're right. I can't, but you can. And uh, yeah. yeah, then that, that kind of, kind of, yeah. Was fun. And I mean, the entire time, he's just like, you know, you can do it, Meryl. You can do it. And he just has his eyes closed, like driving down. And Meryl's yelling, telling him to break and like stop and that they're breaking the law. And I'm just like, you've done significantly worse. You've manipulated a human for 30 years. You've been a part of this. Also, what law are you breaking? Truman is the law. (laughs) Like, you ain't breaking a law. You're fine. Yeah. I don't know. I have no sympathy for Meryl. She reminds me a bit of Janet in Rocky Horror Picture Show, where as I was watching Rocky Horror Picture Show, and if listeners, you haven't listened to those episodes, it's before we started doing video, but go check out those episodes. They're still up and you can still listen to them. I hated Janet so passionately in Rocky Horror. Brad deserved so much better than her. But Meryl's reminding me of that, where I'm just like, I hate you so much. I don't want you around. You don't deserve Truman. You don't deserve this kind human being. Like, and that, you know, it makes great television, person. I guess. You know, for the oh, that's fan- works for the fantastic show. television. I mean, look. I mean, as soon as she's introduced into the story, she's annoying. Like immediately, you just no one wants her in the story. You know, when there's that whole high school. Yeah, uh, I mean scenes and she's just kind of shoved into it you're like go away exactly like she literally trips and falls into truman and is like oh no i broke my ankle like i'm just like she's just doing a job but there's just as a character we're like just please go away and they were like you're actually not a nice person as well yeah Um, i think you know as as a character very interesting character to watch as Hannah, I think the world has realized that she's not a kind person. Mm. So they make it over the bridge, and it's fantastic. And I'm like, yes, you have conquered your fear. Well done, Truman. I'm proud of you. And Truman's thrilled. He takes the wheel again. And honestly, it wasn't how I thought he would conquer his fear, but well done to him for thinking outside the box. Like, he, he definitely thought outside the box on that one um, and came up with a way. Yeah, it so, just shows that he's becoming more and more willing to break free. Yeah, it kind of uh, shows, like, he's also becoming braver. He's willing to take a risk. He's willing to drive and, you know, just, I want to get out of here. He's truly showing that. And they pass a sign saying, forest fire, warning, danger turn back truman ignores this and meryl's like what about the sign and he just goes eh they're exaggerating we'll be fine 
Just then, a fire starts on the road. Two things. One, that's not a forest fire. And uh, two, the fire showed up 10 meters in front of his car out of thin air. How is he supposed to even think that it's supposed to be a real forest fire? Well, yeah, I mean, it all just keeps falling apart. They've got to do more and more ridiculous things to keep him contained. And by doing so, they're making it more obvious that the world he's lives in is fabricated. A fake world. Yeah, it's a fabricated world. So Truman drives straight through the fire. Meryl thinks that they're on fire. They're not. It's just smoke. And Truman just laughs and continues driving. And this is where I... Like, made note of this, but credit to the camera work in this entire scene, because they really make you feel like you're part of the ride in the car, almost like you're in the back seat, or like you're a little figurine on the dashboard, and you're watching all of this happen. Like, I might disagree with the whole premise of trapping someone in a fabricated world and against their will and all of that, but like, say what you will, they've gone through some great lengths to to provide the real world with some fantastic shots so like you know well done to them but you know morally messed up in terms of television great television (laughs) yeah i mean you could see why people would be addicted to the show oh yeah a hundred percent like i can tell why people would want to watch this although i don't fully understand why they would want to watch him sleeping so and you know, Steven was my guest right before this. And we were talking about the fact that like they could have given him any job in the world and they gave him the job as a man who sells insurance. Like, let him have a bit more of an interesting job. <laughs> yeah, true. But it's all set up to create barriers in his mind. To, mm-hmm. You know, he's just li- he's just they've created a person who lives in fear of going anywhere or doing anything the outside world these exact things yeah so but yeah there was right like geez give the guy a little bit of a break um to do something right give him a little bit of credit yeah so meryl asks you know what are we gonna do for money in new orleans and he's like i'll have my sea haven bank card meryl asks if they're just gonna eat into their savings and then she tries to play the mother card saying that she'll be worried she's not sure how she's gonna take it and that's where i noticed in the back seat, they have like a gray seat, but then in the car, they have like this random piece of like red that's like plaid or something. Is that a pillow or is that just the design of the car? Yeah, I'm trying to think that image. I don't know. I mean, there are cameras everywhere. It could be some kind of device or it's just a. It could be some car. kind of device. Like, if it's a pillow in the car, that makes sense. If that's just the design of the car it makes no sense what car is designed like that who has designed a car with a random like red plaid piece in the middle of the back part of the chair like i don't know listeners if any of you have any thoughts on this uh leave them in the comments shoot me a message because uh you know this is what i notice when i'm watching things so we hear sirens and it's the sea haven nuclear power station of course it is And the sign reads, clean, safe, economical, more power to you. And then we hear on the loudspeaker that it's a red alert. And it looks like there's a leak at the plant. The officer says that the whole area is being evacuated and there's no way around. He's really sorry. Meryl asks if she can do anything. And in 
all caps again. I'm just like, what in the world are you going to do? You are useless. You can't even keep it together around Truman. And like your job is to keep your husband under wraps. You can't even do that. What use are you supposed to be at a nuclear power plant where apparently there's a leak? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what I've, always, I've also thought with some of the actors, I mean, particularly... Uh, thing uh, Mer- uh, Meryl is that you know their whole life has been in this f- place. I don't know what life skills they actually have, you know, because she's just been playing this fake person. I don't know, you know what I mean. It's just this. Everyone's just telling you what yeah. to do, tells you where to stand. Everything's done f- for you as well. Like I, I just was yeah thinking about that. That do these people have any capacity to survive on their own you know that they haven't necessarily had to become an adult in the way that other people have so I, I suppose she's quite stunted as well yeah and i mean like you see it soon but like we haven't necessarily seen it yet but like we see it soon that like what they're saying is also Kristoff speaking into an earpiece mm. telling them what to say so you know it's not even like you know, they have to come up with the improv on their own or anything. Like, they're literally being fed every line to say. Yes, they need to, like, be able to hold the emotions and stuff to say it, but they're they're literally spoon-fed. Exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah, so Truman says, thanks, but the officer, you know, says, you're welcome, Truman. And that's when Truman realizes something's off because this officer has never met him before. Also, also, if the whole area is being evacuated and he's trying to leave the area, why can't he leave the area? It's not like he's trying to go into the plant and add it onto that. If it's the Sea Haven nuclear power plant, doesn't that mean that they should probably be evacuating the rest of Sea Haven as well? Because, like, if it's truly a red alert, as bad as they're saying that it might be, then the town closest to the to the plant is in major danger, i.e. Chernobyl, Pripyat, etc. So, like, why wouldn't you let them leave? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're just trying to get him to turn around. I understand that that's all that they're trying to do. But, like, yeah. when you start thinking about it, it, it doesn't make sense of why they won't let him leave. I mean, it makes sense that they don't want him to leave Sea Haven. But, like, if you're looking at it from a nuclear power plant perspective, right, and, like, from Truman's perspective, it doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Why, and don't, and why don't you yeah. let him leave? And you feel that he's close to – he's able to be reasoned with, with, the, with the officer there and, and then yeah, until they say – Thanks, yeah, Truman. You feel that he was sort of yeah, like, willing to maybe turn around or, uh, yeah. Or try something else and kind of be like, all right, I've got to try a different tactic to kind of break out of here. But, yeah, that that extra kind of botched it over there. Um, whoops. <laughs> yeah. He ain't he ain't getting hired again. Poor guy. <laughs> He's now going to have to go fend for himself yeah. in the real world. <laughs> that was his only time in the show having a sp- a speaking line and he's and he messed it up i don't even know if he's gonna get another job after that oof (laughs) what do those actors you think those actors do after this show you know like after after the show ends yeah if it if it ends and then it's what are they do you think they'll get any other acting work if it ends 
I think the extras might be able to. But also, like, I don't know. I don't think so. Because, like, being an extra on Truman Show would look pretty good. It's probably like this show everyone wants to, every actor wants to be on. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those shows where it's like, oh, yeah, like, I got to be on the Truman Show. Um, yeah, and like, wow, what was it like? Um, actually, really weird. They made me stand still for like 20 minutes until they said go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could imagine that. I guess there is a pretty set route. There is that really set routine. That's the whole point of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, they're all just like waiting on standby, ready to go. But I don't think like Meryl's going to get any work. She probably doesn't want to. No, I think, I think Meryl's lost all possibility of getting work in the future. And I think Marlon might be able to still get work because even though, like, you know, he does what he does in the show and whatnot, his scenes are genuine. And, like, I have enjoyed every single scene that he is in. Yeah, and yeah. At, soon, probably, probably in the next episode, we'll talk about, you know, the moment where he makes a fool of himself. Uh, for listeners not looking at the video, I said make a fool of himself in air quotes but you know we'll we'll get to that soon but yeah i definitely think like you know i think he would be able to still get work i think some of them would be able to get work but i don't think meryl would be able to again but Mm. anyway truman's realized that something's off and he gets out of the car and he starts jumping over the cars and he bodies one of the people in a hazmat suit and then just runs into the woods. And I'm just <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. that was funny. <laughs> and... that was run around. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure if that was like meant to be there or if that was a Jim Carrey moment of being like, Hey, extra, can I run over you? Are you cool with this? Like, can we try this? And then just, I really hope that that's what it was of like Jim Carrey just going up to one of them being like, Hey, is it okay if I run over you? Can we try that? <laughs> yeah, you'd hope he'd ask, but maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I wouldn't be bothered if, if Jim Carrey spear tackled me. I'd be fine with it. Yeah. Um. Hey, Jim Carrey, uh, you know what? Let's go to Australia. Let's spear tackle it. <laughs> Let's spear tackle Adam. We yeah, won't I'll... even tell him that we're coming. We'll just find him. <laughs> and I'll just, whatever so... fee you want, I'll just give it to charity or something to be spear tackled by Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Honestly, he's retired from acting. He has the time now. So, like, yeah. Jim, I know that you probably will never hear this, but if you ever do, one, uh, thanks for an amazing body of work. He listens to every episode. Oh. Eagerly. He's one of those loyal next. listeners. <laughs> Eagerly awaiting. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you never not, know. Uh, look. It, he does a lot of art You never know. Now, right? You never know. He does a lot of art. Yeah, he he paints and draws and, you know, it's something that he found comfort in from my understanding. I don't try to speak for him. But from my understanding in the few interviews that I've seen, he just said that, like, you know, he started doing it, I think, like, later on in life, too. It wasn't something that he necessarily did earlier, but it's just something that he picked up and he just really enjoyed it. So he's like, I'm just going to do that. I've Mm. made money. I am who I am. Like, I don't need to necessarily make more and do more. Like I'm content. So I'm just going to enjoy life and live life. And, you know, he did kind of leave the door open. I think where he said like, look, this is the end. But then I do think he did say like, look, if someone comes to me with an incredible script, I might come back and do it. But I don't, yeah. 
plan on doing anything. That's what I thought I heard. I might be mistaken. No, that's what that's I got my from understanding. It. I, I think I know the interview. Okay, about. cool. Yeah. It did sound like if it was an amazing script. Yeah, which is a very fair way to look at it. Like, you know, he's done his body of work. He thinks that, like, you know, there's nothing left for me to really do. But, you know, someone, you know, in 10 years might turn around and be like, hey, Jim, we know you're 70, but we've got this script that we think you would be great for. What do you think? He might read it and be like, let's do it. I'm, I want to be creative. Here's what I want to see. The world of acting. I want to see uh, Jim Carrey in his 70s doing Ace Ventura 3. That's what I want to see. Okay. That's okay. my vision for um, the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Ace Ventura <laughs> 3, he's training the next detective. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can I be the next detective? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to work with Jim Carrey. That just sounds like fun. Yeah, I just yeah. want to meet the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I haven't seen one or two, um, but <laughs> I can be silly. <laughs> so, anyway... He bodies this guy in a hazmat suit, runs into the woods. Meryl's yelling in the car for somebody to help and stop him. And she's yelling from inside of the car. Like, she doesn't even poke her head out the window or step out of the car so that she can be heard better. She's literally just still in her seatbelt going, Truman, come back! Like, true, you are so useless, Meryl. But they just revealed her as a person. Like, her as a person is crap. Like, she has no ability to deal with anything. 100%. Anyway. Nothing. She can't deal with anything. We see a really cool shot as there's like a camera hidden in one of the like spray can thingies that these hazmat people have. I don't actually know what it's supposed to be, but like that's something that they're holding. And the camera's inside of that. It's a really cool shot. Like I said, this film has a lot of them. So I've tried to point out as many as I can as we go through. And Truman gets a very thick stick. He starts trying to fight off the people with the hazmat suits. He tells them to stay away, but he's finally grabbed and subdued and, you know, tackled to the ground. Was so, there anything weird with that stick? I remember it being, I don't know. I think it was just a big stick. It looked like a <laughs> staff or something. I just remember something about it that it was a really intense stick. I, I think it was just like an abnormally long stick. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was a stick. I think it was a branch. Like a smaller branch yeah, yeah. almost, but like a thin, a thin long branch. I think it might have been a branch. Yeah. But I, I don't think there was anything like special. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like I would have remembered if it was on fire or anything, and that yeah. would have been really cool. But I don't think that they were about to hand Truman a flaming stick. I think I just so... played it in my mind that it was just more than it was. Yeah. I would love for it to be more than it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, he's swinging so, his stick around, and yeah, as you do, he's swinging his stick around. He ends up gets tackled. You know, he's subdued. We're off. We're back home. Merrill's thanking the officers for their help. They say he's lucky to be alive. Next time, we're gonna have to file charges. Yeah. And I just go, no, you won't. That's <laughs> a human in jail. <laughs> hey, I'm interested. It'll be. It's a storyline we haven't necessarily seen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's so what's cra- Yeah, I think yeah. There's so many options with this film, which is great because you just kind of the audience, audience, you're just going, "Wow, where's it going to go?" Like it really could. There's so many options. It would have been quite hard to structure, I think, like as a writing and directing. 
because you could just do so many different really interesting things. Um, anyway. Yeah. yeah, which makes me more confused on why they potentially just seem to want, like, not in terms of as you were writing the film, right? Like, you were saying there's a bunch of rewrites that used to be dark, that kind of thing, right? Which I kind of want to see all of those rewrites. I wonder if they're yeah. out in the world or, you know, you can hear the concepts or if there are interviews, because I don't look up anything before watching the films. So, yeah, I think it was. I wonder yeah. if there are like interviews or anything of people who worked on the film talking about those previous rights, like previous drafts. Yeah, I think because the Andrew Nichol who wrote it was, uh, yeah, it was really quite dark. And then I know that Peter Weir wanted it to be lighter and more, yeah, just a bit, you know, drama, but just lighter where it was kind of a heavier sci-fi vibe, I think, before. I have a feeling it was about 15 rewrites. It was quite a lot of versions. And yeah. then... I mean, I believe it. Like you said, any any decision could be taken in five, six, seven different ways because it's truly just someone's life, mm. which I think makes it both easier to write about and harder to write about because there's the truth of like, yeah, this is just what someone does in a day-to-day life. But then there's also the, ooh, but if that one thing happens, there are all these different ways that something could, you know, end up. Kind of like that banana effect of, I think that's the right phrase, but the banana effect or something, no, banana Banana. sounds wrong. When you buy too many bananas, uh, things start to happen. Things start to happen when you buy too many bananas. We don't know what things, but things. So, you know, yeah. So the banana effect happens because that's not what we're calling it because I've forgotten the phrase. (laughs) So, But, like, there's so many different options that you can get. And so, yeah, I'm not fully sure. But, yeah, I would love to potentially see what some of those previous drafts or find out. I might do some research and see if I can find anything. Yeah. I'll let y'all know if I find anything, listeners. Yeah. And listeners, if any of you know where to find it, uh, send it over if I'm not able to find anything. Because, again, I'm curious. I'm still at the very beginning of my career. I'm learning. I want to learn as much as I can. So, it's a really cool anyway. writer, really cool. If, if, you, if you get to chance, because he wrote Gattaca. I don't know if you've seen that. And he, but you I haven't even heard of Gattaca. Yeah, it's got okay, um, Ethan Hawke and Jude Law. It was it was essentially because he was meant to direct the Truman Show and then but he hadn't directed before and they thought oh this movie's too big for you so they got Peter Weir and then that same year Andrew Nicole wrote and directed Gattaca uh, which is really cool sci-fi. okay uh, but yeah you should cool. check it out I'll check it out even if it's not for the show I'll check it out and yeah I think it's here Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman okay it's it definitely worth very watching interesting yeah, yeah yeah I sometimes when I watch a film just for fun depending on the film like sometimes I watch like just really dumb films and I don't really know yeah. why I've even put them on but, um... <laughs> but it's a good film for critiquing you know because there's so yeah many yeah I mean sometimes work. like I'll just like jot down like quick notes or i'll just jot down like you know quick thoughts and then i'll toss it up onto like patreon or something and it's like hey this is like what i'm thinking i'm not doing this show 
mm. in depth and like you know I, I just watched this one for leisure but like here are my thoughts on this film it's not necessarily as in depth of what i'm doing for the show but like if you're curious this is what i thought of this film i didn't take any notes on it i just sat and watched a film mm. kind of deal so i do do that occasionally um when i actually watch a film for fun which does like a normal happen, surprisingly enough yeah. <laughs> like a normal person um the way i watch films for this show not the best way to watch a film i don't recommend it because i pause every like 10 to 15 seconds but yeah. you know it's because i'm writing all of these notes down so I, it's not necessarily like the best way to watch it but let me tell you i know a lot about some films now because i've seen them once but i've watched them very in depth so i know a lot about some films anyway back to the truman show because that's what we're talking about so meryl says that she wants to get help for truman he isn't well truman asks why she wants to have a baby with him when she can't stand him Meryl says, this isn't true. Yes, it is. She then turns around, gives us the face of, I hate this, and then turns and says, why don't you let me fix you up some nice mocha drink? All natural cocoa beans from the upper slopes of Mount Nicaragua. No artificial sweeteners. And I was like, aha, product placement. Yeah. And Truman asks, what is she talking about? Who is she talking to? And then she just continues going, I've tasted the other Cocos. This tastes the best. Yeah. And it's just like, you're not even listening to Truman. Yeah. Like, you have completely robot. lost any sense of being able to function. And she also just read what was on the can. Like, you know, the only thing she didn't read that was straight off the can was that the can also said low-fat, sugar-free, and organic. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> is the only thing that she didn't read off the can. Everything else is just on the can. So well, and it's it is yeah. One of the pictures of the Truman Show is that everything you see is for sale. Yeah. So there's just this constant. You know, if they're wearing a jumper, you can order it. If they're wearing these glasses or whatever. Uh, so I mean, you've probably discussed this exactly. Already. And yeah. at this point, I didn't know that yet. So like, I was like, oh, I can see the product placement, but like, why is it so up front and center? Like, right. I. I didn't fully understand why it's so up front and center at this point. I was like, I'm just noticing when the product placement shows up. It's just weird Stepford wives kind of vibe that, yeah, just the robot, okay. like she's an Android or something, you know, like she's not a real person. Yeah. Like that thing. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So he asks, yeah, he's she like, isn't. who are you talking to? Yeah. There's so he's, he's like, who are you talking to? This has nothing to do with anything. Asks her to tell him what's going on. Meryl's freaking out because she's bad at her job and says that he's having a nervous breakdown. Mm, I think you're having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and Truman realizes that she is part of this. And we see that her brooch is actually a camera. And then, you know, I was like, oh, how are they getting the camera shot of her freaking out? Like, what did they have on Truman that's a camera? But I haven't, I wasn't able to pick it up. I'm sure that it's, like, embedded into his clothing somewhere. But I couldn't, like, point out what it was. Whereas on her clothing, I could kind of point out that the brooch was what was the camera angle. So, I just couldn't point out on Truman what the camera would have been. But his ring has one in it. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, I just... I think it might it, be his wedding okay. ring or something. Yeah, but I'm not 100% mm, sure. I'm just trying to remember. But yeah, that, that's one of the fascinating things. With There's just cameras in every different spot. 
and there's yeah, cameras I just everywhere. That, that whole the section from the car into the kitchen is one of my favorite parts. The whole film. it's a incredible scene, and honestly, like as much as we say that Meryl is a terrible human being, great job by the actress. She does yeah. a fantastic job. I'm yeah. not Laura sure is what fantastic. her name is. Uh, Laura Linney, yeah. Laura Linney, yeah. I mean, she does a great job delivering this scene. Like, absolutely fantastic. She's one of those so, actresses who's been just really fantastic for decades. And it's not that she's under appreciated i mean maybe she is but she's just always really good but she's not like oh the oscar yeah. you know, the leading lady kind of vibe she's not she's like always been the big name but she's always consistent yeah because she was she did really well in the big c and then she was in ozark mm-hmm. as well uh, but she's been in heaps of films okay love actually is the only one i can think of but she's been in lots of other stuff Oh, is she the lead in Love Actually? Well, she's one of, because, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of characters in that. You know, there's about 10 or I something. I don't know, I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, but she's, she's there's <laughs> lots of little parts, and they kind of all come together. But she is one of them. Ah, okay, okay, so characters. she's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Nice. I mean, she does a fantastic job. So mm. what she ends up doing is she grabs some of these peelers and stuff, none of which actually seem sharp, but she points them at Truman and says that she is... that he is scaring her and Truman says that Meryl is scaring him. I mean, fair. She has pointed deadly weapons. Yeah. Deadly. Everyone who's had a potato peeler pointed at you knows the fear. It's, it's terrifying. Real. So I was like, what is she going to do? Dice them, slice them, peel them. Actually, no, that's not what I said. That's what he said. Um, He's like, what are you going to do? (laughs) he's like what are you gonna do dice me slice me peel me Um, and i was actually like actually though can she do anything or is she just gonna lose her job if she does do anything and i was like eh, she should anyway because unlike marlin she can't actually keep it together so like let's be honest this is probably like one of the last times we're seeing meryl like she should be (laughs) fired at this point (laughs) like she's bad at her job you're probably not gonna Keep working. Yeah. Yeah. So Truman grabs her. He pulls her into a headlock like position so that he can grab the utensils away from her. Meryl looks up the camera and yells, do something. Truman clocks this and he asks, what, who are you talking to? Meryl tries to say that she didn't say anything and that she wasn't talking to anybody. She's trying to deny it. And she tries to run out of the house, but Truman stops her. Just then, there's a knock on the door, and it's Marlin with beer, and he's confused. (laughs) Obviously, Marlin knows what's going on. He's been briefed on the situation he's about to walk into, but great job by Marlin. He's confused. When he walks in the door, he's like, what What is happening? I just showed up with beer. Like, what's, what's going on? And Meryl hugs Marlin and is sobbing, saying, how can anyone expect me to carry on in these conditions? It's unprofessional. And I went on a beautiful tirade right here where I was like, you knew this when you signed up for it, lady. It's unprofessional for what you did to him that you've trapped him for his entire life. His entire life is a lie. You've been in on it. You're okay with this mountain of lies that you've helped build. Now that it's crumbling down, you want to be free and you want nothing to do with it. I have zero sympathy for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's most viewers take that approach 
uh, that yeah, you just kind of like, yeah. please go. I mean, she could have worked out a way to get out of the show. She really wanted to be out of it. You know, I don't know what kind she of probably could have, but you'd suspect it's. It'd be really interesting to see what the contracts would have been. Whether that was how long the commitment was. Is it a lifelong commitment? Is it a? Is it yearly? Is it? Yeah. How do how do they work? Or is it per? Yeah. So it'd be really interesting to see what that was. Very interesting. Mm. But Marlin's very confused. He tells Meryl that it'll all be okay. We're gonna take a quick break for an intermission, and we'll come right back. Hello everyone and welcome to the intermission. I hope you're enjoying this episode of The Truman Show with Adam along as the guest. I know I'm having a blast during this conversation in the past, but I just wanted to pop in real quick. Thank you all so much for all the support that you give the show. It really does mean a lot. If you want to continue support and gain access to bonus content, I do watch other films sometimes in my free time. I post short little reviews, whether their voice notes or just a quick little video of what I think of a film just when I watch it um, in general or like TV shows, things like that. You can get access to my notes and other types of fun bonus content over at patreon.com slash coopforge. And you do not only get bonus content for post finale, but if you sign up for the Patreon at patreon.com slash coopforge, C-O underscore O-P-F-O-R-G-E, then you also get access to bonus content from the other shows. Now, the other shows that I alluded to, if you are following us on YouTube, you see that there are two other shows. One of them is called Seattle Across the Pond, which the next episode should be out in about 24 hours from when this one should be posted, within 24 hours, depending on when you're listening to this, it might already be out. That one is all about Seattle sports. I'm hosted with my friend Eric. Eric comes in and we chat Seattle sports. What's happening on in the world of sports in Seattle? It's a fun time. That one's every other week. And you can also listen to Flip the Scripts, which is co-hosted with my previous guest, Stephen Nyman, and we are looking at adaptations and the world of adaptations. So looking at some of our favorite books to uh, the film or TV adaptation that has come out for that. So we started with the Percy Jackson series, started with The Lightning Thief, and those episodes are completely out. You can listen to them anywhere. And then starting this Friday, if you're listening to this when it comes out, then starting this Friday, we have shows for the Sea of Monsters, and we are reviewing the bad films from 2010 and 2012. But be sure, check out those two shows. They're called Seattle Across the Pond and Flip the Scripts, and it really does help us out. Be sure to follow us on social media, talk about us on social media. It really does help. You can follow Co-op Forge at Co-op Forge, C-O underscore O-P-F-O-R-G-E, and on any of the social medias, including TikTok, and you can follow Post Finale, the show, this one specifically, at Post Finale Pod on whatever social media you're looking at, except for TikTok. For TikTok, we only have the Co-op Forge TikTok, so C-O underscore O-P-F-O-R-G-E. Thank you to anyone who talks about us, shares the show with a friend. It really does mean a lot. Leave a rating, leave a review, leave a like, 
or hit subscribe if you're listening on YouTube or whatever podcast app. It really, really does help out. So thank you all so much. And let's get back to this episode. So we're now, you know, Meryl's out of the picture and well, not out of the picture, but we've moved on from that scene. Great scene overall, as we were saying that entire time, but we're now out by the water and Truman is just sitting with Marlon and he reveals to Marlon that he isn't sure what to think anymore and that he may be losing his mind, but it feels like the whole world revolves around him somehow. And Marlon, again, to his credit, in this scene, Marlon is still a really good friend. Yes, it's fabricated, but like you truly believe that he is a good friend. So Marlon says, you know, that's a lot of world for one man. And are you sure that it isn't wishful thinking? And, you know, who hasn't wished that this is, you know, how the world actually works for oneself? Like, who hasn't sat on John and had an imaginary interview on Sea Haven tonight? Which is where I had a question for you. Is there a slang term for, like, the toilet in Australia? Uh, there is, yeah. There's, uh, there's the dunny. The dunny is usually okay. one, or we do say the loo, which is British. There's a quite a few things in Australia that are British British isms, uh, but yeah, the Britishisms. But the dunny is is one that we say. Yeah, going to the dunny. The dunny. I don't know where it comes okay. from. I don't know the etymology of it, but yeah, just the dunny. Look, it's not like I know why people here call it the John. I'm like, did did someone named John at some yeah. point really? piss someone off yeah or john did a massive dump one time and then they're like we need to rename this the john (laughs) we need to rename this to the john um i don't know know. (laughs) i don't know what the etymology is of why people call it the john but it's called the john sometimes i mean most people call it a restroom or a toilet it's the same with the dunny like not often are people calling it the dunny but you know some people will say that yeah yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. But Marlon says, who hasn't wanted to be somebody? Which is a true sentiment. Like, you know, people definitely sit and daydream and, you know, sometimes think, like, what if this is the case, right? And it's, I'm sure people in any aspect of where they are in life, they have their own daydream of what if, you know, that's the way that it was, mm. right? What if this worked i don't necessarily know what it is for you as listeners but i'm sure that everyone has some type of daydream that they wish something was slightly different but it isn't and that's okay like that's part of being human so apparently there's actually a a thing called an informal term is called truman truman disorder or something that they call it now that that is people that think they're on a tv show that they're a part of a okay secret thing i think it's called yeah having truman or truman syndrome or something like that uh so it's yeah it's interesting becoming an actual thing where people really believe they are part of this secret tv show uh okay yeah so if that is you i mean we were we were medical help we were joking about that We we were joking about that in the last episode that my life is just actually being filmed and everyone's in on it. <laughs> and I was yeah. just like, well, if it is, um, <laughs> I struggle. Help, but we move. 
<laughs> go get some help. <laughs> so Truman says that this is different. It feels like everybody's in on it. And Marlon has the look. Like, he knows that he can't stop this for much longer, but he needs to be a good friend. And it almost feels like he knows that this is going to end soon kind of deal. And Marlon then brings up, like, look, we've been best friends since we were seven, so 23 years now. And it's the only way that either of them made it through school was cheating off of the other's test papers. And I was like, well, more like Marlon cheated off of Truman based on the earlier scene, but sure. (laughs) And Marlon says that, you know, they were identical, but he always felt safe knowing that because whatever the answers were, they were either right together, they were wrong together. And then Marlon asks if Truman remembers when they stayed up all night in the tent because Truman wanted to play North Pole. He ended up getting pneumonia. Truman starts to laugh. Marlon was out of school for a month. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, Marlon might not have actually been sick, but it might have been a thing of like, hey, Marlon, like you're going to get a month off from doing the show so that like, you know, you can, you know, just live a little bit of a normal life a little bit um, in the real world a little bit. And this is where I was like, come on, Marlon, be a good friend. Tell him the truth. Yeah. Do it. Break free from this vicious cycle. He doesn't. So... <laughs> Marlon says that Truman is the closest thing he's ever had to a brother, and he knows that things haven't always worked out for either of them like they dreamed that they would, and knows like everything might feel like it's slipping away, but you don't know what to believe, so he's looking for answers somewhere else. And that's when we see the shot of Kristoff, and he is feeding Marlon the lines that he needs to say that's there in all caps I was like god damn it because <laughs> I was yeah, really hoping that this was Marlon how... just being a good friend yeah that's true yeah because it really you're thinking wow this guy's you know he's awesome he's, he just does care about him and but then yeah you get <laughs> the entire like I thought well, what's great about all these scenes is you're just seeing uh, the different levels of the production to create sea haven mm-hmm. you know you're just slowly revealed more and more uh layers as an audience until whoa it's even bigger than i thought it was you know it's like it's not that yeah these i mean it, acting, it's so. massive yeah and so it just keeps going bigger yeah. and bigger apparently the guy that plays um thingo just brave faded christoph no his friend marlon Marlon. Yeah, the the actor said that he played it as though he created him as having this really major drug I- issue and he was really conflicted about his role in the show and everything. Uh, so I think that was kind of interesting. The sort of backstory of the character that he created. Yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out to Noah Emmerich. He's the actor who played him. I first saw him in White Collar, which is one of my favorite TV shows. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. He's He's in white collar plays a pretty big role and that's all i'll say in case anyone wants to see white collar and see what he does but great show fantastic show can recommend see i do watch things just not things that people (laughs) assume that i do (laughs) so marlin is then given the line and it's the last thing i would ever do is lie to you and i was like marlin come on now is your time break free from the script if you truly care about him do it now like i'm still holding out hope that marlin's gonna break free and i was like to hell with the production care for your brother you grew up with him even if it is fake you grew up with him like do it 
he doesn't. So Truman looks suspicious about this line for some reason. And Marlon points out that if everybody is in on it, then he'd have to be on on it too. And Marlon says that he isn't in on it because there's no it to be in on. He is playing his part incredibly well. So like credit to him. I'm just pissed at Marlon. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you should have broken free, but you didn't. It's a really so, heartbreaking scene. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, I wanted I wanted Marlon to be the one to just be like, no, nah, man, like, go, like, get out of here, go. Like, I'll help you break out or, like, slip him a note or something of, like, I'll help you break out, like, do this, like, meet me here at this time, like, sneak out, like, figure something out. I wanted him to be there for him, but he just – we'll find out if that happens, but that's what I'm hoping is, like, I'm still holding out hope for Marlon. I'm still holding out hope for Marlon at this point as as I'm watching it. I don't want him to be the reason that Truman is sad, but Truman was right about one thing. This all started when he thought he saw his dad. Marlon found his dad, and apparently that's why he came by tonight. And Marlon is sure that he's got quite the story to tell. So they get a shot of Truman seeing his dad. Everyone is engulfed. Everyone's like watching in the real world. Everyone's like, oh my God. And for the first time, we truly see how much Kristoff is really pulling the strings. Mm. Like we just saw him feeding the lines, but how much he's changing the cameras, how he knows which angle, which time. So like, this is what I have to say about Kristoff. He has a very messed up idea. Like this is not an okay thing to do to a human being, but he's very good at his craft and no one can deny that he is very good at his craft. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's said. Uh genius director for sure i mean to the the scale of that production is enormous i mean mm-hmm. yeah you'd be your whole life but, i mean that's why he lives in the moon i mean you can't do anything else you'd just be doing this job like constantly this uh, is you'd have some kind of your life but yeah but yeah like this is your life and you know truman saying that he never stopped believing that dad might be alive dad says that you know i'll make it up to you all those years wasted Everyone is thrilled in the production room and everyone is watching. Everyone's really happy. And again, I still don't understand why is everyone in the world okay with this? Or the majority of people in the world okay with this? <laughs> this is not okay. Well, that's the thing. It's a separated, you know, it's, and this was what we're, another thing that's great with this movie, which you probably mentioned, is that because it predates uh, – uh, reality tv so there is a like you know it was only the next year or two that big brother came out and so it was yeah it's really interesting to to predate that kind of mindset of oh i'm watching other people do things you know now it's quite normal just mm-hmm. to be we can just watch these things happening to people and we're very dis just kind of disassociated with what's going on because it's on a screen or so I don't know if that's that's part of it. You just watch yeah. and you just convince yourself that well that's happening over there, so whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Or they're just horrible. This world is horrible people. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it it just confirms that the world is a messed up place. That's all it really confirms. We knew that, <laughs> but you know, we make the best of it. But the world is a messed up place, and so. People are congratulating Kristoff on his brilliant work. Everyone seems thrilled. Everyone that is, except for Sylvia. And we see her watching TV as Truman is drinking the Mount Nicaragua cocoa, the finest in the world. Product placement, 
absolutely hilarious. But that's where we're going to end this week's episode right before <gasps> we get into this whole kind of revealing moments of this film where you learn so much of everything that goes into building this world and this world of Sea Haven and Truman's world. But we are about to learn so much, but that's where we're ending this one on a beautiful little cliffhanger. I I mean, I've seen the film at this point, but <laughs> you know, <That's> it's, <laughs> that's, that's where we're going to end it. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I really didn't know what to think. I was like, please tell me that this isn't ending. I am still holding out hope at this point that Truman is going to break free. I don't think anymore that people from the real world are really going to be able to, you know, help him. Mm. I don't think that's going to be a possibility, but I do think that Truman is going to be able to break free and get out of here and get out of Sea Haven. I do think that that is still how the film is going to end. I'm not sure how he's going to break free because, like, we saw his attempt earlier and it didn't go very well. So I don't think driving out of town is going to be an option anymore. So, but you have seen it. You have seen the whole film, though, right? Yeah, yeah. now I have. Okay. But, like, as as, as I was watching, watching it, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Because he only really has this one connection know. with the outside world, which is Sylvia. Uh, or which is Sylvia, or is who I call the eyes. Uh, but yeah, okay. She she's just one kind of connection that he has to out there, you know, and that the whole impetus mm-hmm. to try and get to Fiji and everything. And you know, she's a lot of try to get to Fiji, try to get out of the world, trying to get out. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It is a what? Yeah, what's he going to do? How's it going to work? You know, yeah, you're just thinking, what's the possible no, way he's going to get out? Yeah, I have no idea how he's going to get out of here. Because if driving isn't an option, he doesn't know how to fly a plane. Or I don't know. Thing that, maybe yeah. this... It's cold. Yeah, I mean, maybe a boat, but I don't think it's going to be a boat. Well, the water... Because, like... Because I looked up behind... He's so scared of the water. Yeah, it's, it's called thalassophobia. And it's not thalassophobia. Yeah, it's not the f- scared of it's persistent, intense fear of deep bodies of water, which of course they set up with the father thing drowning. With the, setting that up with the father doing that, he's got this thing because so it's not just I don't know what the other one is like aquaphobia or something, which is just water, but his is more about the the deep water. So it's. His yeah. is more about deep water than it is. That bridge was just why I couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, when you think about it, usually a bridge is built to go over a deeper body of water. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are sometimes that like you have a bridge and like you know you're just like, why is there a bridge? And it's like, well, when it rains, the water shows up. So like, it's not exactly like the deepest water in yeah the world, but like it's still dangerous enough to warrant building a bridge over Mm. so yeah yeah. Yeah. i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure how he's breaking off the island i know that he will 
Part of me says that it's a boat. Part of me is like, he's not going to do a boat. Like, he's scared. But then with his dad now being back, maybe he's conquered his fear of boats. I don't know. I don't know how he's getting off. He's got to build a big rocket. This island. Yes. There we go. There we go. That's how he's getting off the island. He's going to build a rocket, yell yeehaw, and light it on fire. It's pretty Jimmy Neutron style. I don't know how you didn't even think of it before. It's pretty obvious. I really, I really should have, shouldn't I? Like, ah, uh, it was, it was screaming right there. He's in insurance. Like, he obviously knows how to build a rocket. I should have known. Yeah. Should have. But, yeah, that's where we're ending this episode. Adam, thank you so much for joining. If listeners want to find you on the internet, finding out more about shows that you're doing, different things like that, where can they do that? Where can they follow you? Find out more about you. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks so much for having me on. It was good fun. And yeah, I imagine I, I'm probably pretty far away from many listeners, but you know, you never know. Uh, so I'm, yeah, and at the moment I'm in Tasmania uh, doing productions and shows. So I just did the Comedy of Errors outdoors and that was great, went really well. Uh, but yeah, if people need to see what's coming up, you can just go to adamdeertheatre.com and all my upcoming thingamajigs are on there. The next main thing is Page to Stage, which is my 10-minute 10, 10 play competition that I'm uh, doing the second version of next year, 2024. I keep forgetting what year it is. Uh, so, yeah, so next year. So um, that'll be the next thing I'm working on. And then I plan to produce my own show, the show that you helped out on, Too Stinky to Bear, when we did the rehearsed reading in London. So I'm planning oh, to yeah. actually produce that this year. And then I'll also do oh, wonderful. another outdoor Shakespeare at the end of the year. But yeah, adambeertheatre.com, Reindeer Productions. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well. Reindeer Productions is on Facebook. So yeah, please check it out and get in touch. Yeah, listeners, I know a couple of you are out in the Australia area. So yeah, go, go check out some live theater and support some friends. And if you need connections. So it really does mean a lot. Yeah, if you need Melbourne or the Sydney yeah. connections, oh. I can... Uh, help people out so yeah let me know there we go i mean hit adam up i'll try my best to leave as many of those links in the episode description as well so that they are easy for you all to find but adam thank you so much for joining once again listeners thank you so much for listening and until next week we'll catch y'all later